0: All right, I have a question. I have an answer. Ah, I shouldn't say that.
1: I have a question, which is, what was going to be your question on that other episode where you said you had a question, <laughs> but we kept talking
0: about your sore throat? Yeah, James, you're riled today. What's got you so upset? Uh, lots of things. You want to talk about it? No, not really. You sure? That was my question today. Do you want to talk about what's got you upset? Now, you can, I don't know if we've ever passed on, have you noticed that? There's never been a moment, I I think this is more a testament to our total inability to believe that we don't have something interesting to say about anything, that there's never a question that one of us has asked the other, that the other said, you know what, pass, don't know, don't have anything to say, don't have an answer. We Uh. are just full of it, but proudly, we are ultra-crepidarianists, What's well, a crepidarianist? Someone who likes crepes. An ultra, <laughs> an, <laughs> with avocado jam. ultra crepidarianism mm. is the practice of talking with seeming expertise about something, even when you don't have expertise. It's about transferring okay. a real expertise. Here, so, here's
1: here's my question: When does that not occur? Because you even look at like every area of science; those areas are completely updated every 15 to 20 years. They don't even look like they looked 20 years ago. Economics being a great example.
0: Wait, when does what not occur? People w- talking outside y- of yeah. their ex- well, areas of expertise. Who, who
1: is an expert? Well, no, I'm talking think, about the reverse. Who, who actually ever talks with expertise?
0: Well, I think you're asking a different and fundamentally important question, but a really a very, very different question. So, I, think, I think it
1: could be people are at relative What levels. is your question?
0: What is your question exactly? In this, Rephrase but, the question, please.
1: What constitutes an expert so that they can talk with authority? Now, I think, and just to partially answer, I think there's relative value. So if you're really bad at golf and you have a golf trainer or a coach or whatever you call it, they'll probably make you a better golfer, and you can measure that. Um, but in general, so that's a relative Expert. Someone could be an expert on some very specific topic. or Are someone they relative
0: else. because the field is different, or they're relative because it's measurable? To my mind, that's the so key. It's because component, it's measurable, right? you
1: can actually see your golf score improve. So you can say, "Oh, this man improved or woman improved my golf score," or child, but in, or child, but in general, uh, for a field like economics, psychology, physics, when people they're they're broadcasting one to many as opposed to one to one. So, what constitutes a real expert there? Given that. All of these fields, whether it's social science or hard science, are constantly updated and the old stuff is considered old school and becomes outdated and maybe even wrong. I mean, medicine is like the greatest example where every few years things are just totally outdated. So
0: you asked many excellent questions in there. Does that mean we have to do like 10 of these podcasts? It's going to be (laughs) a 13-part episode. So let me me tick off a few of them. I don't think the distinction of one-to-one to 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 one-to-many is a key distinction here. In terms of what constitutes expertise. So I, I do. I'm just saying. Someone, I, I know you do. You but, just said it. I'm just saying I don't
1: think. Like, for instance, you're, you're, let's say you have a golf coach or trainer. He might not be an expert at golf. He just might be better than you. So for you, it's good enough to improve your golf score. I see what so you're you saying. So you would say, that's an yeah. expert
0: to me. On the other hand, I mean, the task is really different, right? If I'm trying to explain a cultural or social phenomenon... That's a very different task as a psychologist or social scientist, whatever, than learning a golf swing or teaching well, why, a golf swing. Why? Why is right? it different?
1: Because you're still trying to train everybody to improve the level of their knowledge in a particular area.
0: Yeah, and be, but and because, one because is you a, think
1: your interpretation is expert be, enough.
0: Because I think one is a physical task that's much more easily measured and probably okay. more generalizable or probably at least quite generalizable whereas the other when you're describing society or social science you're dealing inherently with a heterogeneous population possibly heterogeneous preferences so it's not even necessarily about optimizing a lot of times hey, it's just about hey don't call describing. me heterogeneous <laughs> all right so but um in terms of the old stuff you know being made obsolete within the social sciences. So I, I would definitely not argue that that's true, always. Um, I think certainly sometimes it is. And I think one reason that it's really frustrating as laypeople to hear about this study that proves that doing X is good for you, whereas three years ago we were told uh, that a different study said that doing Y is good for you or that doing X is bad for you. Those are really, really frustrating for the average person. And I think right. that a lot of times when you look at the underlying studies that produce those kind of findings, you know this is something that I've become I don't know passionate about but I care a lot. It really bothers me that so much academic research is either a bad, b funded in a way that makes the interpreters or the investigators not unbiased, c done by investigators who come in with an existing bias whether it's intentional or otherwise, and d done in such a way that really just shouldn't be considered legitimate where it's not a big enough sample size or the experiment itself was not so isn't it, isn't this kind of my point then like so if you look at the
1: authors of these papers they all they all have the letters phd at the end and that's what society usually considers an expert to be
0: yeah uh, without any often, other information often yeah all i'm saying is um as with anything i would say you can't paint it with an entirely broad brush, so there are a lot of PhDs who really are way more brilliant than you and I about a whole lot of different topics. I doubt it, but yeah. Okay, maybe not you, okay? Maybe, certainly me. Um, But in terms of, like, the new stuff in necessarily invalidating the old stuff, I don't believe that is at all true. I think there are, there are a lot of fields we can look at that continue to build upon each other, particularly in the hard sciences and mathematics and so on. But I will one thing that I will say, one example of yours that I think you're, is the most important and that you, I would agree with you almost entirely on is if you look at the history of medicine and healing in general, it is unbelievable how wrong we, and by we I mean you know, modern-ish humankind has been about how the human body works and how much harm was done by seemingly expert people in the realms of medicine and anatomy and so on. For and thousands that is, of years. For thousands of years. And that is, I believe, a really wildly undertold and unappreciated story that I think is useful to know for a, a couple reasons. One, it teaches you humility. And two, it teaches you that when you hear of the latest, greatest cure or preventive measure or whatever, you'll understand that this is taking place as a dot on a continuum that has not been moving always in the right direction.
1: You know what, Stephen? I'm going to let you finish answering, but first, a word from our sponsor Stephen. James. I'm very happy once again to have our friends at Fracture back as sponsors of Question of the Day. Fracture is a great American company with a new concept for digital photography. Take your digital images out of your smartphone's hard drive where, let's be honest, you never really look at them and bring them into the physical world by printing them directly on glass. Every fracture is made by hand in the USA, checked by an actual human for quality assurance, and is delivered with a solid backing, ready to mount onto the wall right out of their eco-friendly packaging. They even include the wall anchor. I'm always a fan of American startups making interesting products that people will want to buy. It's crazy that this idea hasn't been developed before, but now Fracture's doing it, and they must be doing a great job if they can afford to get me to talk about them. Fractures are great as gifts, awards, or just a great way to brighten up your home with the images you love. Fractured glass prints start at just $15 with free shipping on orders over $100. See how Fracture brings your photos to life at fracture.me. And be sure to mention that you heard about them from Question of the Day in their one-question survey at checkout. It helps support the show. (laughs) you mentioned like hard sciences, let's let's take physics as an example. Certainly quantum mechanics builds upon Einstein's work, but it also, I don't want to say negates it, but kind of uh, reduces the importance of Einstein's work because it says, look, there's something you missed in understanding what the universe looks like. And then Einstein's work did that to Newton's work. Not that all of Newton's work goes away because at a basic level, it largely works, but it still missed kind of some understanding of, of the universe that, that Einstein picked up on. And then many people were rejected it at first, and the same thing with quantum mechanics. Even Einstein rejected quantum mechanics, but now we know through experiments, oh, quantum mechanics probably hits on some questions that Einstein didn't think about. So there's a case where physics, even like the hardest science, who's an expert? Was
0: Einstein an expert if he totally missed quantum mechanics? I know nothing about quantum mechanics. I, I don't know much about physics either. I know some physicists, and I love to hear them talk because I love the way that. As they, opposed to hearing me talk about physics, uh, I'm going to slightly prefer the physicists, but only slightly. Um, you
1: don't like me? I'm being crepitatorious or whatever. <laughs> like I'm talking all about Einstein and quantum mechanics. I know
0: like you are nothing. Being very <laughs> creppy, I'm going to say, but um, but no, I wouldn't say that. That would mean that, for instance, in this example, Einstein was not an expert. And again, keeping in mind that I know next to nothing about what Einstein real how how that really worked. But what I will say is this is, you know, you can be an expert within your time and context, within your social historical context as well. So the fact that you can be really good at something, especially if the something that you're doing is exploration, right? If you're trying to figure out how something works, small or large, and you gain even a sliver of an understanding of it that advances the ultimate understanding of that, even if you miss a lot of things, I don't think that means that you're expertise necessarily is obviated by the people that come by after. That said, I think there's a big difference between trying to build scientific understanding from the ground up through the scientific method and experimentation. There's a big difference between that and the kind of scientific seeming exploration and learning and teaching that happened in medicine for many, many generations. And the reason that that was so harmful is because there were conclusions based on what The practitioners, the doctors and anatomists and so on thought was science, were theories that were proven, hypotheses that they thought were proven by evidence, when in fact they were kind of wishful thinking that just as often did more ill than good. And so I think that whenever you're looking at any kind of expert, whether it's, you know, someone who's commenting on the stock markets, someone who's commenting on real estate, on sport, whatever it is that you may care about, education and so on. The most important thing is to just see, you know, do they have a horse in the race? And if so, is what they're saying influenced by that? And I think that's what's, and so that's when, when I seek out an expert, I I really, but that's where the university system, I, I think, you know, you going and trashing all PhDs, I think is patently unfair because
1: I did not trash all PhDs. I just said the PhD doesn't confer expertness on somebody.
0: Fair enough. I accept your quasi-crepidarianist retraction. So so what you're kind of saying (laughs) is that an expert... I love when people tell me what I'm saying. (laughs) Because I had no idea.
1: Well, I'm going to guess what you're saying. You can tell me if I'm wrong or not. You're saying... We're trying to be experts on experts here. So you're trying to say you build expertise by asking lots of questions and using some intelligent, unbiased way to answer them. Whether or not you come up with the correct answer at all, you, you maybe contribute to... Understanding, you know, just by, I, just by a, asking the question and, and doing some work, pushing the envelope, as you say, a, a little bit further. Pushing the
0: outside of the envelope.
1: Pushing the Not outside pushing of the envelope. the
0: envelope. So I agree with you up to the point. I agree with you entirely up to the point where you say that just making an effort makes you an expert. So Because I think in the common understanding of expert, it means that, no, you're kind of a master of your line of inquiry.
1: But define… Um, effort. I think. I think you. You said specifically. It's like asking questions sure. and exploring them. Let's say through the scientific method or whatever. Or yeah. Just but you got to and
0: come up with a lot of good stuff in order to be an expert. That's all. If you take a hundred people who are all trying to answer what's a what's a question that you have as of today, a pressing question about the way the world works or society or politics or climate, just come up with make up a question. Right, how you to, care about. how to stop terrorism. Okay, how to stop terrorism. So you take a hundred people and you put them to work, you say you have absolutely unlimited access to any kind of data, at the very least, um, that, that you could imagine. And I want you to try to come up with a method to at least become expertise in the causes and consequences, but primarily the causes, of terrorism right violent terrorism extremism. Right, so,
1: right so they might not have an answer so out of those 100 everybody will do differing levels of work
0: right um and they'll have different ideas of what kind of data to look for and how to treat the data right they'll have different ideas of what kind of absences there are in the data and so then
1: clearly some will do better than others not necessarily in answering the question but in well, you know, in answering the question. So they might be wrong or right, but well, some will kind of move the needle in terms of answering the question, and they'll have the facts and data to back it up. But then it's still kind of subjective in, in an area like that, who is actually an expert or not. See,
0: here's the thing. I agree with you as far as that goes, but the problem is—
1: And assume they're all unbiased. Nobody's paying them. No one's—and and let's even assume their, their scientific research is good. Well, I don't good. think
0: you can ever assume anybody's unbiased. Forget about being paid by someone. It's just that we carry a lot of—we all carry a lot of biases. I mean, it's just inescapable. The more aware you are of that fact, the better I think we are at dealing with them. But here's the problem we won't really be able to judge necessarily the value of an expert in the moment that they're at their peak because a lot of processes take a long time to play out.
1: Well, also another thing is, since no one's ever seen the answer before, if someone's pushing (laughs) the outside of the envelope, it's going to look wrong to everybody, Right, which uh, is why it would just happen throughout history, particularly in medicine
0: and in physics. And all kinds of – right, that's a great point. And and usually – I don't know about usually, but very, very, very often – the people who come through with the most remarkable breakthroughs are not only considered to have not come up with a a viable breakthrough, but they're considered, they're treated like they're nuts. So I would say asking questions is good.
1: Exploring answers is good. Not necessarily coming up with answers. And of course, listening to the question of the day podcast is great because that's all we do is ask questions and then we get all crepidorious on everyone.
0: Can't wait until next week for more QOD. Hear a bit of our next show right after this. Thanks again to Fracture for sponsoring today's
1: episode. Fracture wants to bring your digital images into the physical world by printing them directly on glass. Fracture glass prints start at just $15 with free shipping on orders over $100. See how Fracture brings your photos to life at fracture.me. And be sure to mention that you heard about them from Question of the Day in their one-question survey at checkout. It really helps support the show. Thanks. We've got another great question on tap for next time. Take a listen. I find that I don't really have a good BS detector when I'm meeting new people. And I think actually you do have a pretty good BS detector. Like I see you analyze other people and, and you kind of make a quick judgment and it's usually correct. How do you think I can develop a better V.S. detector in my life?
0: Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry.